0: Welcome, one. Welcome all to the Snail Trail 4x4 podcast. If you like going off roading in Toyotas, wrenching on Toyotas, camping in Toyotas, and maybe even poking a little bit of fun at Toyotas, and of course, hearing about how great RCV axles and electronic wheelwood parking brake calipers are in Toyotas, then this is the podcast for you. That's right, ladies and germs. My name is Tyler. This is episode 271 with none other in the studio than Mr. Jimmy Jet himself. Jimmy Jet, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. I don't think I'm fully recovered from hammers yet. Yeah. But I'm doing all right. Nice. I feel fully recovered. It's just now the playing the catch up game, which is which is really bum. It's it's very difficult because we had some uh, communication things go wrong um, with Morphlete while I was gone, and uh, um, there's a lot of emails to go through now. (laughs) Bummer (laughs) because of it. Um, Yeah, we uh, we went down there, and before we went down, I set up an uh, out of office reply on Outlook saying, "Hey." you know, we're down in the middle of a lake bed, not going to have service. I'll get, we'll answer everything on Monday when we get back. Um, and then I also set my voicemail greeting to say, Hey, you know, we're out uh, we'll try and get back to you. I'll see if we can do about checking voicemails and get back to you. But otherwise don't expect anything back until Monday. Um, neither of those saved <laughs> your voice message did. Oh, it did. Yeah. I called you on Monday. Oh, interesting. And it was still up. Oh,
1: okay. I thought I texted you later to say, hey, change this because it's still up.
0: Oh, that's funny. Okay. I got I got reports from people saying but that they called multiple times. I and was also calling your personal phone. Well yeah, I have uh the no, uh the, the more mor- the Morflate phone number gets forwarded to my cell phone. Oh. So
1: Well, it saved for me. Interesting. It had a really loud background, like you're recording it down at Hammers. Oh.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean I did record it in the media tent. Okay. So, but that maybe, maybe the reports that I'm getting for people were from the Monday and Tuesday. Cause I think I recorded it Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday uh, morning, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. That Anyways, was really smart too, because
1: I had people messaging me or mm-hmm. emailing me saying, Hey, I haven't heard from you in a week. What's yeah. going on? like, no, yeah. damn it. I should have said a <laughs> out of office reply.
0: Yep. And so I, I did set one and it didn't go. And then uh, we had a UPS mix up where uh, UPS didn't come by to pick up orders. And so we had like 150 orders that we got done the weekend before leaving to hammers. And, uh, they didn't go out until the Friday of hammers. And so we had people emailing and calling, but not getting any responses. So they kept emailing and calling even more. So like I've got emails, like 10 emails from the same person and (laughs) multiple people doing that. So I was like, oh man, I got to get through all these now. Um, so, yeah, anyways, uh, that's my life playing catch up now and uh, in communication hell and email hell. But uh, how's your life going? Good.
1: I'm sort of in the same boat. Mm-hmm. I just am still sort of tired. So I don't, you know, Yeah. I'm just that last day, last 24 hours at Hammers was a was a doozy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, to the, some extent, I'm still in the same boat trying to catch up with uh, business things now and. Um I had a lot of people reaching out to me for custom panels to mm-hmm. get done during mm-hmm. the week and now okay. I'm like okay yeah I can do the I'm back sorry it took me so long mm-hmm. to get it to your email I can take care of those but now I've got a l- list a of a long them, list of them you yeah. know and it's like <laughs> okay I might not get to your panel for a week or two because they take so long and then I've got to do other jobs in between so mm-hmm. yeah we'll see uh how that goes, but had somebody um, from Canada ordering two panels. So that's kind of cool.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, cool, man. Yeah, it's a yeah. life of a small business owner. If you're, if you're gone, you're, you're it's all up to you, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, so anyways, uh, let's see, what do we got on the docket for today? We have, we have a lot of things. We got a lot of fun stuff to catch up on here. So we've got, Um, some birthdays, we've got some new signups for the Patreon accounts, Uh, we've got a giveaway to announce. Uh, We've got a new giveaway to talk about. We've got some voicemails. We've got um, some fun things that we learned while we were down on the lake bed that we get to talk about. Um, So I think this will be a fun little episode here. Yeah, I'm curious if any of the voicemails we
1: have, because we don't pre-screen them like some other podcasts do. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if any of them are hate mail trying to get uh, more flights.
0: Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Kind of yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. It's like,
1: hey, where are you?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll get into all that. Um, I don't know. What? Let's. What are we, where should we start? Uh, let's start with birthdays. Okay. Birthdays. Birthdays, 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 birthdays. All right. So let's start with the one year celebrations, shall we? Yes. One, One year snail trail celebrations. So we've got one, two, three, four, five one year birthdays. And we are looking at here. We've got Mr. Jason Baker. Ooh, Jason. Thank you so much. Matthew Faced. Faced? Air faced mm-hmm. okay. Aaron Russell, isn't that a Rabaran? A Robron? yeah. The guy we don't like, maybe the Australian that we don't like. Well, thanks Anyone. Anyway, thanks anyway. <laughs> uh, Mr. McCoy or Mrs. Miss Mrs. McCoy? It just says McCoy. It must be the real McCoy, not the fake McCoy. I got one for you. Uh Oh, you I'm know what the worried.
1: difference is between a miss and a misses? Hmm. A Mister
0: gotcha why i don't get why why uh, a mister would make that difference is that just because they get dried out and needed something to to mm-hmm. keep them wet and <laughs> cool where are you going with this <laughs> it's a mister a, a, a water a water mister
1: oh no no a miss like mm-hmm. a, a lady that's not married okay and then a misses uh-huh is a lady that is married
0: yeah so, so what does a, a a water mister have to do with that? You're just playing funny, <laughs> I'm trying to piss you off. <laughs> Good luck. I know, right? And then the last one for the one year birthdays is none other than Mr. Truck Norris. Oh,
1: Truck Norris. Yeah. So it was this time last year that he was down at King of the Hammers with us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. That, that makes some sense. Yeah anyways thanks
0: thanks buddy yeah so let's see let's go to find our two-year birthdays and there is just one. Oh, the one and only mr troy stotka troy awesome yeah. thank you so much he's a local is he yeah, yeah. A local kind of okay. in the, the norcal area here so uh he's actually been bugging us to go and do some snow wheeling or rubicon or yeah. camping trip or something so uh, we need to get uh, rolling on that. Um, let's see. Along with birthdays, we also have first time signups. We had a lot of uh, movement here in January, which is pretty cool to see people uh, getting on board with the new year. Maybe they had some uh, New Year's resolutions to <laughs> to support more podcasts. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, first one is Mr. Dugmore. Doug
1: Moore. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Next. How, how many of it does it do you have them listed on there
0: if they're annual or monthly? Uh, yeah. So this one was a monthly for the okay. giveaway tier. Cool. Uh, Mr. Jake Gallo. Oh, Jake. Who's hey. in, uh, uh, he's in the almond business. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Local local guy hangs out a lot with the Gen Right peeps. Awesome! Cool. Thanks um, so, so much. Yeah, Jake Gallo, uh, five dollar tier, which is the essentially gets you access to a bunch of discount codes, the uh, puck, the hidden treasure tra- treasure hunt um, game, uh, the patron page on Facebook, a bunch of other stuff. So he did the annual stuff. The uh, next one is Johnny Fresky, and then in parentheses, it's spelled out Fresky. <laughs> So that we do how to pronounce it rather than saying freshy. That's awesome. Thank you so much. So thank you, Johnny, Appreciate for that. letting us know how to pronounce your name. Uh, he's on the giveaway tier monthly. And then we have another Australian. Oh, there's some competition for nice. Australian peeps. Uh, Mr. Jamie Mishkunig. Are you sure um, that's how you say it? No, but that's what I'm going with. Okay. okay. Yeah. Thanks, Johnny. So thank Jamie. Jamie? Jamie Mishkunig. Oh. Yep. Sorry. Uh, Excuse me on the patron tier for the patron page on Facebook and the treasure hunt. Um, hopefully we can get some pucks down to Australia since we have two more than two Australian listeners now. Yeah, (laughs) I can arrange that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Alan Sharon. Awesome. Alan. Cool. Uh, did the annual subscription. We got Nick Collins signed up on the giveaway tier. Nice. Uh, Sean spaghetti. Ah, Mr. Spaghetti. I know he did the annual. He did the annual on the giveaway tier. So, uh, he'll be on uh the giveaway uh, in the running for the giveaway that we're going to announce here in a little bit. And our good good buddy of ours, Mr. Chris Money Mains, <laughs> Chris
1: Money Mains. You know, uh, I, uh this weekend I was talking to Jason since we were all hanging out mm-hmm. uh, this week, I guess this last week. Uh he said that Chris used the Wheeling Wine and Whiskey uh Patreon account email to sign up or okay. whatever that is, uh-huh. but it must be tied to Chris's name. Oh yeah, he made the uh, the Patreon thing, so
0: it is actually coming from both of them. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So that's better to know then. Yeah. Now that we know so. that Jason isn't um, completely ignoring us. Yeah. But thank you, Chris, for yeah. doing <laughs> it because you were the one that did it because yeah. he doesn't have access to the Patreon account. But yes. so we really appreciate you, Chris. Yes. Yeah. Not Jason. Not Jason. Yeah. No no. (laughs) Um, anyways, so those are the new signups. So lots of cool movement and support coming in in January. Thank you guys. Uh, uh, we'll be able to create some more, uh, treasure hunt tokens with the extra support. So we're going to start focusing a little bit more on that and getting those out, especially as we're, um, rapidly getting out of the winter months here in Northern California. (laughs) yeah so um all the trees are blossoming which means we are not getting any more snow and uh, everything has been you know while the rest of the country is you know covered in you know n- a negative degree snowstorms um california's sitting over here at 70 degrees Yeah. So. supposed to be gorgeous this week yeah i know right um so uh if you guys will do a trade we will trade you guys water for sun how's that? Yeah. The rest of the country yeah, will send sun your guys is away. Everybody way. on the east coast is like, <laughs> "Yes." And Texas? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh yeah, send us some water. We'll send you some sunlight. How's that? Um, let's see. What else do we got? We got some voicemails? Voicemails, I think it's let's time. Let's do some voicemails, man. It looks like we have two from the same person. uh oh. <laughs> So we'll see if they if they messed up. I haven't like looked it over to see if they wanted us to do one over the other one. So we're going to do both of them and we'll see how this. Oh my God. This is a long ass voicemail. Uh, let's see. So it looks like it's Craig from Oklahoma. So you ready to go and see what Craig from Oklahoma has to say. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Here we go. All right.
2: So this is uh, Craig from Oklahoma. Long time listener first time caller. Uh, absolutely nobody, uh,
0: (laughs) you're somebody Craig
2: first, I mean, other than trying to win that winch, uh, nobody, but beer person, know a little bit about beer. So I am like 12 minutes into the new podcast and I just felt the need to call to, up a few things that I feel like maybe need to be nailed. Hopefully, I don't like complete uh, D back on this one. But uh, <laughs> initially, uh, appreciate the great uh, pronunciation of Goza. But so, what um, Highwater is doing is you know, so it's contract brewing, and so they do, they are. I assume I haven't looked up their individual, um, method, but what contract brewing, they go to these breweries, they give them recipe or they go there or gypsy brewing is another their term. Uh, they go there, they brew their beer in their fermenters, which is what the tanks are and then sell it all over. So they're contracting or gypsy brewing forever and then distributing it. And now they open their own facility. Uh, and so then that at that new low die facility, I assume with their sours, which is that's what that's what hit me. I, I appreciate. Uh so they're doing uh, full like sour fermentation. So there's uh, there's kettle sour where you add lactobacillus for twenty four to forty eight hours. It adds uh, lactic acid and then you boil it it kills off all that acid, you got yeast, and you make a normal beer. Uh, and that's what a lot of places do. That's what a goza does, blah, blah. Uh, but there's lambics, which is what they are basing their stuff off of. And it uses, like, lactobacillus and pediococcus and then yeast. And uh, it ferments out and it makes different kinds of acids, mostly lactic acid. And then that's what makes it sour, but then there's also Britannomyces and all this stuff, which gives it more depth. But the, I, I, I appreciate, like, you guys have done a great job. No one's adding vinegar at all. I, if they, if I can be proven wrong. Oh,
0: I guess I cut him off. No, that's probably why he called. I to, that's probably why. Yeah, all right. Okay. So, yeah, he called back a second time. Um, so, okay, he he kind of talks a little bit about where he left off. So I won't go back into it. Let's see what he has to say and finishing the thought about uh, Before people you using do that, um, Okay
1: the fermenters, which are the tanks. Yes. I just want to clarify that they owned them. Yes. They just, had, I guess they did contract brew out or contract other facilities to, to brew, but they own their own tanks, right? Correct. That's the difference. Yeah. So they, they had f- uh, first right to the tank and then other people could use it. Yeah. But I guess they had other people making it.
0: Yeah. So they owned the tanks um, and then they contracted with different locations to house the, the tanks, tanks, maintain them, clean them. And then as long as high water brewing doesn't need to use the tanks for anything, right. then the contracted location can use them for Correct. whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and now so that they have their own spot. Yeah.
1: They just brought all their tanks into house.
0: Well, they brought most of them. There's still uh, a couple places that, um, uh, um, she was talking about that though they're having to move their tanks and relocate them right now. Some of them. Oh, so they're having trouble finding, uh, locations to move their ferment for their fermenters to, for a, a new kind of semi-permanent location kind Got of thing. It's so, okay. All right. So we're jumping back into vinegar. Yep. Jumping back in to places, not using vinegars. Um, which I believe we said, that, um, that a lot of places are using vinegars for sours. Um, and that's why high waters process tasted different in mm-hmm. the sour or something. So let's see what Craig has to say. It sounds like he knows a lot about beer. Yeah, so um, he, I'm really he curious to hear the science name, right? So that's cool. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's the rest of it. All
2: right. This is Craig again. I'm sorry. Uh, obviously I was rambling on, so I should not have been no is adding vinegar. Vinegar will ruin a beer. They're probably kettle souring, and or adding lactic acid. But vinegar straight up ruins beers. There's other stuff. If you, if I there's a misunderstanding. I assume. I'm sorry. I just love beer, and so I had to call. And sorry, I'm sorry. from a d bag, and I look dumb. So there you go. I'm sorry. Thank you guys. Keep crawling.
1: Yeah. Don't be sorry, Craig. This yeah, don't is, be sorry. You know, we probably misunderstood on our end and now we're reporting bad information. So yep. I, I do appreciate you calling in. Um, yeah. I do. Uh, for some reason in my head, I do remember her saying vinegar,
0: um, but I do too. Um, I, but maybe we maybe just she, what just what she was, was talking about generalizing it for this stupidity of, of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, I'm I'm like I love stuff like this. Right. When we get experts who call in to correct the information we're putting out there. Like I learned so much from that. And that's one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is to, to learn more stuff and, and share the information with people. Um, and if I'm wrong, I, I love being wrong because it means I get to learn something new kind of thing. So um, yeah, thank you, Craig, for calling in. Um, I want to encourage everybody out there. Like if we do like severely mess something up like that, call in. Yeah. Call in. we want to know what the correct info is. Um, So please feel free to call in. That's why we set up the voicemail line um, so that we can make sure that um, we can share the the listener knowledge base with everybody and make sure we're getting the right information out there. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'd love it. You know, you can call in, you can correct Tyler because I know I'm always right. So... That way, you know, we can I just almost spit brew. my coffee out all over there <laughs> just now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's great. And it's fun to hear you guys' voice. And then eventually we meet you in person, which we mm-hmm. met a bunch of people at our meetup, you know, and it's fun to, you know, meet you uh, once tag that voice or that email to a voice to uh, the actual person, you know, and it's, yeah. it's fun to go full circle. Yep, so I agree. Any other uh, voice messages? Those were it. Those were okay. the two. Sounds good. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, anything less on left on the list or are we going to? jump right in.
0: Um we have the giveaway to announce. Oh yeah. Yeah, we love giving shit away here. Um We have, uh, for January, we did a, one of the new Morflate uh, Ultimate Tire Repair Kits with the Extreme Upgrade. Yes. And, uh, you know, I was, when I designed these kits, it was mainly kind of like, you know, Jimmy looking around for tailgate panels for his Tacoma and couldn't find anything that he liked. Um, I kind of did the same thing. I was like, there's so many tire repair kits out on the market and none of them have everything to really take care of any situation you might encounter with a tire while you're off roading. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's build one. (laughs) Nice. There you go. So um, the regular basic tire, the ultimate tire repair kit comes with a 50 tire plugs, some beefy metal handles with a stopper on the plunger, which is really nice. So you're not going to go too deep and just shove the plug all the way into the tire, which I've done a few times and then had to, you know, pull it back out and be like, dang, I got to put a new plug on and all this. So the stopper is really nice. Uh, the reamer is there. There's an extra reamer as well. Extra stopper in case you break one of the, the reamer of the stoppers, but the T handles are like this beefy metal thing. You're not going to snap. Yeah, I liked how you eventually moved away from holding your pamphlets down at KOH with a rock and you put the <laughs> T the, the handles on there. right? Um, so the there's those uh, we've got, you know, razor blade. We've got needle nose pliers. We've got um, the other typical stuff you would see in an entire repair kit. Plus six replacement valve stems, not one, not two, not none, but six. So, um, eventually somebody, everybody in their four wheeling career is going to shear off a valve stem while you're (laughs) off-roading. It's just going to happen. It's part of the nature of the beast, right? So I've always been amazed that tire repair kits don't include valve stems. And so, um, our kit includes six valve stems in it. Nice. Um, and then so that's the basic kit that's uh, going to be launched here on the website uh, over at morphlate.com this week. We've been putting off launching it because we wanted to launch the extreme upgrade option at the exact same time, but uh, we are still waiting on our delivery of the Colby valves. So we're just going to launch the ultimate tire repair kit now and then once the Colby valves come in, we'll put up the um, the extreme upgrade cool. kit nice. and the extreme upgrade kit is going to be Uh, the ultimate tire repair kit plus two Colby valves, which are really freaking awesome. We've talked about them before on the podcast. Uh, You can, once you do shear off your valve stem, you just push your old valve stem through your wheel and it lives in your wheel and tire until you re until you put new tires on later on down the road. It's not going to hurt anything, Um, but you install the new Colby valves from the outside of the wheel in like under a minute. It is fantastic. You don't have to sit there and DB to tire on the trail. Um, and then finagle your arm up into the wheel and tire combo so that you can push a valve stem through from the inside of the wheel. Um, you don't have to do that under a minute. You're back out on the trail. You're ready to go. So there's two Colby valves there and then the glue tread, uh, four by four kit is going to be there as well, which comes with four different patches of rubber, some sandpaper for cleaning off of the sidewall. And what these are is they're patches for your sidewall that go on the outside of the tire. Um, and what's cool about them, it's a pretty basic kit when you think about it, but what's neat is they use essentially a super glue. Um, uh, your buddy Paul knew like exactly what the super glue was and yeah. what, what adhesive was being used in the super glue oh, <laughs> for all that. <laughs> Um, so super glue, uh, once you put it on, it fully vulcanizes the two rubber surfaces together. Um, so the sidewall of your tire and the rubber patches that they provide in the kit. Um, and it'll vulcanize in about 45 to 60 minutes. But what's really cool about glue tread is they have an accelerator that they include with the kit and the accelerator will fully vulcanize the two rubber surfaces in about 10 to 15 minutes. Oh, wow. So if you put a gash into your sidewall, um, you can be back up and running and, you know, be off the trail and get yourself back home in about 20 minutes and um, fixing that sidewall repair. Dang. That's so a uh, really cool kind of piece of kit. And so, uh, the ultimate tire repair kit will be 50 bucks on the website and the full thing, so the ultimate tire and the extreme upgrade will be 120 on the website. Okay. So, um, those will go live. Uh, the extreme part will go live once we get the Colby valves in. Um, otherwise, the tire repair kit should be um, going live by the time this episode airs. Right. So that's exciting
1: news. Yeah. And we, so we did the drawing. We did the, the scroll through all the numbers mm-hmm. and everything that mm-hmm. I usually show on Instagram. And we had a winner.
0: Yeah. It was a green. Mr. Green. Mr. Green. Congratulations. Mr. David Green, David Green. (laughs) Congratulations to you. Uh, We're laughing because there's an inside joke there, but the the other person will get it. Um, But yeah, Mr. David Green, uh, congratulations. You won the extreme upgraded uh, ultimate tire repair kit. So you're going to have all that coming to you. We'll reach out and get an address. If you hear this, reach out to us first, um, but we'll get an address from you and ship that out here shortly. So For February, we have uh, a nice, fun little toolkit that we're going to build out of a bunch of gear wrench and crescent and Lufkin, um, essentially the Apex Tool Group's uh, tools. So uh, we'll be putting that together. It's probably going to include some uh, ratcheting wrenches, some sockets, maybe some bolt biters, um, maybe some uh, drifts, some brass drifts, maybe a bunch. We've got a Uh, a few little things to kind of choose from that. uh, They're giving us the option of choosing from for the giveaway for February, but uh, yeah, uh, keeping that relationship with gear wrench strong here for all the listeners out there. And really they, they want to keep it strong because the listeners are giving back and supporting gear wrench. Absolutely. So uh, make sure you guys continue that relationship. Make sure you Still go out and you know, when you think of buying some new tools or replacing tools in your, your garage or maybe for your trail kit, um, definitely think of gear wrench. They do some really awesome tools. They have some awesome customer service, lifetime warranties. Um, so, and then if you have any questions about, you know, what tools you should be getting for this or this or that, um, you know, reach out to me or Jimmy. Um, we have a lot of the tools in our possessions and we use them for a lot of different things. Like um, everything's all, a hammer. Everything's a hammer and all screwdrivers are uh, pry bars. Pry bar.
1: <laughs> oh, and yeah. What's cool about screwdrivers is they're also a hammer.
0: Exactly right. They're dual, <laughs> triple use. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you can always reach out to us and let it just kind of ask us, you know, Hey, I'm looking to get a tool for this specific job or looking for, you know, this is what I normally do with tools. Yeah. What do you recommend? I did have, so, um, a patron reach out
1: and ask me if, um, gear, if we could get a socket for them. So I contacted a singular socket, uh, one socket. Okay. Yeah. So I contacted uh gear Inch Corey and asked, and they were looking for a four and like three eighths inch socket. That is a one and a half inch drive. <laughs> it's like the candy dish. <laughs> but Almost bigger. that thing's like five. No, that's five. Oh, is that something. five. <laughs> so it's slightly smaller than the candy dish and a bigger drive than the candy. Oh dish my has, God. I believe that is crazy. Yeah. And unfortunately they don't make them that large. Oh, Not bummer. So it's just, uh, they found uh, and what gear Wrench Corey was telling me is they found that, um, only some specific industries use them and Mm -hmm. they buy them once and never need to buy them again. Gotcha. So there's not a very high demand for them. So they, uh, yeah, they don't make them anymore.
0: Well, if that listener is listening and you know, somebody with a water jet, um, somebody that we know may be willing to sell you the design to cut out your own socket on a water jet Uh, that has a splined, uh, section on it so you can kind of make your own socket sizes out of it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still love that design yeah, <laughs> that, that, that really Husman cool. did. So, <laughs> um, uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, hit us up if you still need one of those. I don't know. And you can might be able to look around and find somebody with a water jet, but, uh, we can get you in contact with Husman and see if you might be willing to sell you that design or something. So you probably already know probably. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice. I don't, I wasn't paying attention. Who was the, uh, the uh Sarah and Ryan. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Sarah yeah. Ryan. Talk to <laughs> Um, All right. So that does it for housekeeping patron stuff. Uh, we won't get into their housekeeping stuff on this episode uh, because I have some fun pieces of information that I learned down at the lake bed um, that I thought would be kind of fun to share with everybody. All right. And uh, I had some fun experiences down on the lake bed that I think would be make for some fun stories. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're what? married. I I wasn't wearing my ring on the lake oh, bed, but okay. no one needs to know that. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. What experiences are you talking about? <laughs> um, recovery being rescue runner. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, and the listener meetup and how all that went. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, um, do you have any fun stories from Lake bed that you
1: wanted to talk about or, you know, I had, uh, uh I mean, the whole trip was fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just a wild and good time down there. Yeah. You know, and I think one of the, one of the good things or one of my most enjoying times was the fact that I had one of my good friends from college, Paul come out
0: and you know, <laughs> he's, he's such a
1: cool guy. <laughs> he's a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, he was a KOH virgin. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, um, Tyson, one of our patrons came out, Kansas, uh, Kansas, came Kansas, Tyson. Can- Kansas, mm-hmm. flew out in the wheeling wine and whiskey private jet. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, joined us out there. And so I kind of felt like a tour guide to some extent, you yeah. know, and I was we, like, showed him where chocolate thunder was, showed him back door, you know, walked around Hammertown, you know, uh, got to introduce them to people, mm-hmm. you know, other drivers and, you know, talk about, you know, who they were. And it's fun because like, we've taught like derek you know dmail with a welder we mm-hmm. you know talk about him on the podcast and had him on the podcast but then i introduce you know these people that have never met him before to yeah. Derek. you know so it's they kind of get fun. to put a, a face to the name and yeah, the voice yeah. now yeah, and exactly. yeah see what he looks like you know, i meet him in person so it was kind of fun being that tour guide um you know and then every once in a while i'd be like okay i gotta go i've got to a meeting or I've got to record a podcast or, you know, I've got mm-hmm. to shoot this video or something. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, what, what did they think of back uh, backdoor and chocolate thunder what, during the day or at night? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> so I purposefully didn't take them to, ch- to either one of those spots at night first. Okay. I, I purposefully <laughs> took it, took them there during race time. Okay. So they could see, the lay of the land okay a little bit that makes sense um unfortunately nobody really ran back door this year yeah right so uh we'll get into that in yeah, a little bit <laughs> we went there and uh they could just see the ledge you know for the most part
0: did they get to walk up to the ledge and kind of stand in the hole there uh no we actually never went to back door at night oh so um just during race time during the day
1: race time and we just talked about how gotcha. the, the hill go like it's actually like a eight to 12 foot tall it's, wall. Yeah. It's
0: like a 12 foot ledge right
1: now. down yeah. when it's dug out down to bedrock, <laughs> there <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> but it doesn't look like it from where you stand because no. it, ma- it like mounds up and then r- goes down right on the yep. other side where all the tires dig it out. Yep. So um, I was explaining all that anyways. Uh, the, and so they were like, wow, this is crazy watching rigs go up It you know, we were watching the um, the UTVs winch up uh, chocolate thunder chocolate thunder. Gotcha. Yep you know and they're just like I can't believe things are driving over this and then we went out there at night <laughs> yeah and they're like what the oh, hell is gallery. happening <laughs> <Right>. just cars <laughs> driving over cars cars yeah. breaking and just chaos happening and all the people and all the fires and all the fireworks mm-hmm. and yeah it's just it's <laughs> chaos on another level yeah you know and um and it really shows, like, you know, like sh- they were watching the UTVs, mm-hmm. right? Like I said, and the UTVs were getting pulled up, but all these rec wheelers are making it up Chocolate Thunder like it's nothing. Yeah. You know, and they're mm-hmm. like, wait, the race cars were having problems here, but, mm-hmm. you know, this rando. Is driving up it like yeah, in a raisined nothing. out Toyota, right? Hitting, exactly. And they're banging off the rev limiter, is yep. making it up just fine. Yeah, and then drive over <laughs> a Jeep's wheel or something. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, so it's just kind of funny. And so we stood there for a while, and then there was this massive carnage, and then. Um, I recognize somebody and I I'm sorry I I'm blanking on his name, but he's been out to a lot of the Tacoma Powered meetups and he has a four red four door Tacoma. Oh, that's linked in the front and uh I think Leaf Sprung in the rear, right? I, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. He was on the Tacoma Powered page doing like a burnout for a little like okay. it was their, one of their highlights. Uh huh. Um he was like four or five people back. And so I was like, I want to go talk. Like, I want to go, let's, let's head back, but I want to go talk to that guy. Yeah. So nobody was moving. So we literally walked down into chocolate thunder and walked (laughs) down chocolate thunder (laughs) Uh to uh, his rig and said, Hey, don't want to talk to him for a split sec. And then I was like, sorry guys, but now we got all the way back up, (laughs) Yeah, you know, hike up the hill. But since nobody was moving, we just literally crawled right back up chocolate thunder again Mm -hmm. and uh, went up, the route that all the trucks leave yeah you know and it was pretty easy to hike out so yeah and what was a really good thing was i we like walked right over the hill and found the truck like immediately it wasn't like are we a little higher are we uh. a little lower <laughs> it was like we walked over the hill and it was like the straight f-150. in front of us yeah <laughs> okay yeah, gotcha. yeah so your truck so i think we mm-hmm. should uh, so we took the f-150 my trailer and kermit down and you had kermit uh, at the booth or mm-hmm. um out and about during the day mm-hmm. and then I was using the F150 to just to drive to be around to yeah to be a tour guide and drive <laughs> around and shoot video and film uh-huh. and go to people's places and record podcasts and mm-hmm. stuff so yeah so I was cruising in the F150 which we ne- really need to upgrade that suspension
0: yeah it's yeah it could it could use some help but I don't know how much longer I'm going to have it yeah. so
1: <laughs> so but anyways yeah I was I was bound going like five. There was a point at which I was cruising down between Chocolate Thunder and uh, Hammer Town. Uh-huh. And I was like three quarters of the way, and then the door's locked. Oh. I was like, ooh, we made it over 15 miles an hour. You know, getting passed by razors yeah. and all these trucks. Are, and I'm like, wow, we barely made it over 15. So, uh, but that was one of my big highlights. I, you know, I mean, we can making talk, it 15 miles an hour. Well, no, just being tour guide. Gotcha. Um, yeah. 15 miles an hour was pretty fun too. Uh-huh. But yeah, so I mean, tour guide was fun. I mean, there was, you know, a lot of really nice vendors out, really pe- cool mm-hmm. people at the vendors booths. Um, it was cool to see all the a whole bunch of rigs, mm-hmm. you know, um, talk, talking to and meeting grind hard plumbing in person. Oh, nice. was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it was for a split second, but you know, there was a, I don't know, a while ago I sent them a part off of Samantha mm-hmm. because it was like a two wheel drive, um, rear axle shaft flange. Okay. I'm like, I'm not gonna need that. Yeah. And they happen to need it for one of their builds going on. And I got connected with them and I'm like, dude, I'll just give it to you. Like, you know, no problem. Do it if you do a shout out on your channel, I'll pay for shipping. Yeah. Like whatever. (laughs) Give me some more (laughs) followers. Yeah. Um anyway, so I walked up to him and I was like, hey guys, you know, and they were they were elbow deep in building, working on one of their cars and I was like, I don't want to bother you. I just wanted to say hi. And they're like, cool. And he looks up and he's like, oh, are you snail trail four by four? And I said, I am. And he's like, Oh man, thanks so much for that part. It really helped out. You (laughs) know, I was like, Oh, thanks for so much for remembering. Yeah. I'm glad it made that that big of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was fun to, to meet them and uh, wandering down later in one of the nights and talking to Vern Simmons, Simon's, I think he could, and I don't know if he was just effing with me uh-huh. But when I said, Oh, you're Vern Simmons. He's like, yeah, I am, but it's, we, it's pronounced Simons. Interesting. And I was like, okay, I've never heard
0: somebody pronounce his name that way. Yeah. Simons. And so I don't you know, know
1: if he was just screwing with me because <laughs> I wasn't in the uh, com- the perfect set of, of mind uh-huh. that night. But um, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. So now I'm going to say it that way and see if he ever corrects me and says it's <laughs> not the other way. So, but yeah, uh, it was fun to talk to him and, uh, BS with him a little bit and probably I might have overstayed my welcome a little bit but I don't know because Mike Austin was down there from Mike and Max offered mm-hmm, podcast mm-hmm. and the next day he's like oh I heard you met up with Vern I'm like yeah I might have I might have talked too long uh, <laughs> he's like no man he said you were cool uh, you nice. know, like okay sweet <laughs> good so yeah it was fun to meet the trail chasers yeah that was a lot of fun yeah um, you know getting to talk with Cody and um, you know Kyle is it Kyle Cody, Jose, Matt, Casey, Casey. There Casey's you go. Casey's <laughs> the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Sorry, Casey. Yeah. Casey and I were just BSing on the side. I was
0: going to say us three were kind of sitting. So we did a, an episode that I'm not sure when it's going to come out. Yeah. Um, I think Chris is doing the editing of it, uh, with four podcasts all yeah. in, on mic'd up kind of at the same time, but in the same room. And, uh, you, me and Casey were just kind of sitting back in the corner having our own conversation on the microphones,
1: yeah. <laughs> while everybody else was
0: conversing about something else. And I was
1: like, sorry, Chris. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to be hilarious to hear. Oh, uh, It's going to be chaos. If anything, I only foresee it coming out on the Wheeling Wine and Whiskey podcast <laughs> the Patreon the account. account. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah, oh, so yeah. we had trail chasers, Um, wheeling wine and whiskey, cruising to camp and us Us, all on, all mic'd up. And then Uh there was some other people in the camper as well. Yeah. Yeah. Live audience. Yeah. A live studio audience. But so that was, that was a lot of fun meeting up with them. And that's what I I really think that's some of the joys for me of King the Hammers. The race is cool. And that's when, you know, the reason we come down there, but Mm -hmm. it's really fun to, for me, to do the networking, right? yeah. meet up mm-hmm. with people, talk to them, figure out, you know, how we can help each other one way or another, mm-hmm. you know, or have people, uh, you know, uh, patrons or randos, you know, come up to me and say, Hey, and you know, talk to me and, you know, say that I helped them re- out with their forerunner or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that aspect of it, King of the Hammers.
0: I do too. I, I really enjoy the networking side and the meeting the people kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so for me being in the more booth all the time, it was, I don't know, it's, it's probably one of the things of grass is always greener on the other side. But like, I was like, I was kind of jealous that you were getting to go out and hang out with Paul and Tyson and mm-hmm. um, you know, hang out and see other people during the day kind of thing. But at the same time, um, a lot of listeners stopped by the booth yeah. throughout the day. so it was neat seeing them getting to to say hi to those people. Um, there was other people from other companies that stopped by. Ian and Brittany stopped by yeah, so and said hi. So. You met a whole bunch of people
1: that I didn't get to meet. Yeah, you know? and so I it was met kinda, a whole bunch of people that you didn't get <laughs> right? to meet. For, yeah, for different reasons. Yeah. yeah. And,
0: and Chai and uh, mm-hmm. Sue Bun. Sue and Chai came by. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. Um, So it was, was, it was kind of like... Was George from Unleashed camped with them? Um, No, he was camped down by Turkey Claw, like at the turn off of Boone Road to go up to Turkey Claw. He was camped apparently like right there. Oh, interesting. Um, Sue and Chai were actually camped up near us. Oh, really? Yeah. Between us and the mountain. Really? Yeah. Oh, bummer. And so like that day when they came by the booth, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's go run Turkey Claw tonight. And they've never ran Turkey Claw before. And I was like, I've just done it once, but I know where it is. And um, I know that they're going to be just fine doing it in their truck, their Tacoma. Yeah. And so I was like, cool. I'll come find you. And then we ended up having the volunteer raffle that night and just a bunch of other stuff going on in that evening. And so by the time I went over, I started, you know, I drove around instead of going back to camp. I went and drove around between uh, our camp and the mountain trying to find Sue and Chai and I couldn't find them. And so I just finally came back to camp. They were probably out on Turkey. I think they were. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, yeah, no, it was fun. It was, it's a good time. Um, Anything else that were highlights for you? I'm sure there was there was a lot. I mean, I think just really
1: meeting a, a bunch of people was mm-hmm. is the key one for me and um, that's really one of the reasons I enjoy going down there is mm-hmm. just, you know, meeting people and talking to them and networking one way or another. Yeah. And, You know, it's, it's funny how like you talk to one person and then they're like, oh, let me take you over here and introduce you to this other person, Mm -hmm. you know, and then that happened a few times, you Mm -hmm. know, just talking about some, an issue that I was having there like, oh, we can help you solve this. Let me, you know, introduce you to these other companies or Mm -hmm. this, you know, this other person And you know, that's a lot of the, that's a lot of the fun, you know, and you know, just like being a media and going on the other side of the rope and Mm -hmm. going kind of Kind of air quotes, wherever you want. Yeah. Is really neat. And then getting to know some of the media people was a lot of fun you oh, know. Nice. and sitting in the media tent, doing a little bit of work and having somebody come up and then kind of me asking them questions about their camera and their setup and what they're shooting and you know, what focal lengths they're using and uh, you know, uh-huh. just picking the insider, you know, brain of, you know, the professionals, which, yeah. you know, they're like, who are you shooting for? I'm like, nobody, I'm just shooting for, <laughs> for myself, us now, by me, four? myself and I kind <laughs> of a thing. You know, I've got a podcast and a YouTube channel and they're like, oh, that's bad. You know, I'm like, who are you shooting for? And they're like, Lauren Healy. I'm like, oh, that's badass. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, it's pretty neat to, to just talk about that. I mean, there's a whole bunch of, I could go on and on and on about the, the weekend mm-hmm. or the week. We were pretty much down there a week.
0: We were, yeah, Monday through uh, Sunday Sunday morning. yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, um, you know, and every day had a different adventure to it. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah, no, it was a a lot of fun. Um, Some of the highlights for me was uh, definitely having the booth in Hammertown. Yeah, Um, that's so cool. It was really cool to be there and uh, have Kermit set up in the booth so that people could air up and down Kermit using the Morphlate. And I found that's really just what it comes down to is people just need to experience the Morphlate. And once they experience it, they're like, Okay, that's badass. But like right. telling them about it, they're just like, uh, "Uh my system works just fine right now." And it's like until they experience it, mm-hmm. they don't truly get it. Right. And so having Kermit there for them to experience it was phenomenal. And we got a lot of really good feedback on it. Um a lot of good interest off of it. Um and it was just like like we talked about earlier, it's just a nice central place to kind of plan to meet up with people yeah. kind of thing. Um so the we had the listener meetup. Yeah, that was which awesome. I thought was pretty cool. We ended up uh, just for that hour. We got uh, pizzas from dang Brothers. Yep, six pizzas. Six pizzas. We had uh, Mike there from uh, Mike and Mike's Off Road Podcast. Yep. We had Jason and Chris there. We had Lee Lim there. Um, trail Chasers didn't come by, but they were out on a trail ride. Yeah. So, um, but we had probably within that hour about. 30 to 40 people th- kind of come and go from the booth. Yeah. Um, which is pretty cool. Just kind of having this big group taking up the whole aisle there in middle in hammer town. <laughs> um, so that was fun. We had cars, uh, some of the 4,400 qualifying or not qualifying a uh, tech and contingency was going on. So we had 4,400 cars going by us while we were hanging out there. Um, you know, just being and getting to see some of the cars and drivers that go by, um, during tech and contingency by having a booth in Hammertown um, was pretty cool. Um, I was next to Yoda mafia. Yeah. So I got to finally meet Breland. Yeah. You met him in person. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you air up his rig? Yes. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, I had talked to, I guess one of his employees earlier in the week about his, uh, forerunner. Yeah. And they were just like, Oh yeah, that's the, the company forerunner. And, uh, I'd, they didn't say it was Breland's personal forerunner kind of thing. And so I was like, okay, cool. Just looking over. I was like, it's a pretty nice little setup here. Dana 70 rear axle, uh, super 44 in the front, uh, dual cased on uh, 38, 37s. um, yeah. but a first gen forerunner, nice, clean, almost clean body <laughs> with a soft topper on it. Yeah. Um, We're less clean after this trip, <clears throat> less clean after this trip for sure. Um, and, uh, and so, I don't mean dirty. Yeah, right. He uh, he, he came in uh, close contact with a rock somewhere. Yes. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, towards the end of the day, Saturday during forty four hundred race, uh, he just he ended up pulling the forerunner in front of my forerunner and then hopped out and goes, hey, do you mind if I can get some air? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is what the more is about is it being portable so you can run it off of your vehicle and other people's vehicles, too. And so, um, and then he we, we so we got it going, started airing up, and I was like, so yeah, how are you associated with Yoda Mafia? He goes, oh, I'm the owner. I was like, you're Breland. Yeah, <laughs> goes, yeah. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so it was fun to finally yeah, meet yeah, him. To finally meet you. Jeez, um, that was that took way too long because um, yeah, he's it was, it was Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. But like, he was yeah. off doing other he stuff every day. Yeah. Everything else. Yeah. Um, no, but I just mean, like, he's, you know, he works really closely with Brennan mm-hmm. uh, from Trail 4R. You two are good buddies. Yeah. And so just, I'm like, I'm just surprised I haven't, we haven't gotten the chance to meet before. Um, well, I've only met him a handful of times
1: when I've gone out to events. Like I think I met him Koh yeah. last year. I met at Overland Expo mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. right, and then here. But I've talked, I've dealt with him business-wise for mm-hmm. a while.
0: Yeah, so. um, but yeah, he lives in uh, Florida. Yeah, like far Florida. western Florida, like almost as far west as you can get in Florida. So um, he might have to meet up with Sherpa sometime. Yeah, <laughs> or Florida Frank <laughs> or Florida Frank. Yeah. Um. So that was fun being next to him and meeting him finally. Um. Talking to other places. Uh. I also went and talked with them RCV about my axles. Okay. And uh, I was just like, Hey, look, you know, I'm going back and forth between doing eight lug and six lug on my, my, these custom Frankenstein axles I'm building. So I told him my plan for the axles. And I said, now what are the benefits if I go eight lug versus six lug right now? My plan is to do six lug. um, But you know, is eight lug really stronger? What are the benefits of doing that? Um, because a lot of the ultra four cars out there are running six lugs, yeah, and okay. so that was one thing I did notice uh, last week was I was like, man, a lot of these guys are running six lugs, and so I was like, what's the difference? What what are you able to do? And he goes, well, honestly, and he they had their display of you know the thirty five and forty spline axle shafts and the with the their CV joints in them, and I was like, sure. he goes, okay, so this here, this is a thirty five spline, uh, and this here is a forty spline, it is fucking massive. It's huge, huge, not just the axle shaft like the axle shaft. Yeah, it's noticeably bigger, but like the cv joint on the 40 spline is like almost double the size of the 35 spline cv joint. It is huge, and so um, I was just like, oh my god, and I I was and so I was talking about what I'm going to be using the rig for, and I was like, I just want to be able to drive the forerunner if I want to drive it to sand hollow do some stupid stuff at sand hollow and drive home without worrying about my axles. And he goes, yeah, 35 spline will be just fine for you. Then he goes, you're no, you don't have a big high powered V eight in there. You're running, you know, the three, four, um, he goes, you, as long as you're a cautious, careful driver, which most Toyotas are because we have low, 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 low. Um, he goes, you're going to be just fine. in 35, 40 spline is going to be way overkill for you. Um, he goes 40 spline. That's like rock bouncer stuff. And I was like, Okay, cool. So he goes, he goes, you can run 35 spline on eight lug axles on eight lug, um, outers, but really, um, eight lug versus six lug. They're about the same in terms of strength and the lugs at least because, uh, the eight lug is, yeah, you get more lugs, but they're more spread out. So the diameter of the lugs is more spread out. So there's more leverage okay. on the, on the turning, power. Right. Is it the eight lug is that way. The eight lug. Yeah. The okay. six lug is fewer lugs, but they're a little closer to the hub. So because they're f- closer in, there's less leverage and stress put on them. Huh, interesting. So I was like, oh, okay. So um, I think I'm just going to, I'm going to stick with the six lug unit bearings. Um, he said, other than that, really the other major benefit of running the eight lug is that you can do 40 spline and you can run mm, massive cv joints or massive u joints if you want to and i was like i just i don't think i need to right so i think it would just be way too overkill because if i have these massive cv or u joints there or 40 spline axles i'm just going to explode my transmission right um, yeah. the the fuse in my system is going to now be my transmission sure, <laughs> rather, right. rather than yeah. the
1: axles or figure out if you can make it your driveline
0: yeah somehow yeah right so, um, uh, so I, after talking with him and kind of seeing the differences, um, I'm going to stick with the six lug, um, outers, the six lug unit bearings and do the 35 spline RCVs. And he said, custom shafts are really easy for them to do. They have a form that you just fill out online, give it to them and they'll cut them, um, spline them, size them however the hell you want. Wow. And I was like, bitching cool. So, um, I'm going to be doing RCV 36 spline Toyota. Inners, um, to 35 spline Dana outers with the six lug unit bearings. Dang. Okay. So that'll be really cool. Um, got that figured out. The next thing that Mm -hmm. I'm because so you're going six
1: lug though. That means that you can still use your old wheels. Yes. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you don't have to buy new wheels. Also, I don't have to buy new wheels as well. Correct. Cool. So yeah, save a little money that way.
0: Yeah. Um, so, um, there's that. Um, and then my next thing I really wanted to try and get nailed down and figured out was, um, the parking brake situation. Um, and so I went and Wilwood was there. So I got to stop and talk to Wilwood about my axle setup and what I'm doing. And, um, I plan to run the spider tracks rotors, um, the 14 inch rotors and use their, uh, calipers, the Wilwood calipers for that. And, uh, he goes, okay, cool. So yeah, parking brakes, no problem. If you know what you're doing, you're setting up these axles, the way you're doing it, you're going to have no issues putting a parking brake on these he said, here's the two options. He said, uh, A, you can well three options. You can do a line lock and not have a caliper at all. And I'm like, yeah, that's definitely kind of the option I've been leaning towards, um, but I don't want to risk the the line bleeding out, the line lock bleeding out if I need to say, keep it parked on a slope for a weekend kind of thing. Sure. Um, and he goes, okay, so then we're looking at a caliper. Um, and I was like, yes. And so he showed me, they have uh, two different caliper setups. One is a mechanical cable, which is your normal parking brake caliper that you have on most vehicles. And then they have an electronically actuated parking brake caliper. That is stupid, simple to set up. Yeah. Um, so all you do is you just put a weld, another plate off of your axle behind the uh, unit bearing cup. Um, so that the caliper lines up correctly with the rotor and, um, all it does, you run a hot wire and a ground to a switch in the cab. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you don't have to route the mechanical cables to make sure that they pull properly when you pull them. Um, and you just literally run two wires, like, like 16 or 18 gauge wire too. It doesn't take a lot of power at all. Interesting. Yeah. And then you, how does it get the power? Um, th- to the battery. So essentially you run the switches, you run the power lines to a switch in the cab and then from the switch out to a battery. So out to a 12 volt source, right? So that you so can turn them on whenever so if you're
1: have your truck on a hill for a week, you're mm-hmm. draining your battery.
0: Um, I don't know if that was one question I, I forgot to ask was if it pulls power w- in order to maintain the parking brake or if it's. Um, it clamps and then there's a safety mechanism in there that will hold it there without pulling power. Yeah. And then it essentially, so the only power it uses is to actuate and is to engage and disengage rather than engage and hold. Yeah. So or
1: maybe, you know, I don't know. This might be silly, but maybe it's powered when it's open and loose.
0: Oh, that would be with, interesting with the thought of the engine's going to be on your engines going to be on. <laughs> You're going to want to be moving. Maybe. Um, so I have to look into that a little bit more, but um, I think that's the route I'm going to go for sure. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, and it's all they design it all out of OEM parts. Oh, so if you if you have the actuator, the the engagement motor, whatever, go out on you, um, he said it's the same parts that a lot of the manufacturers are all using on their current model cars vehicles nice. right now. Okay, so I was like, perfect. So if I have any issues, I can just pick one up from a dealer or something or from a junkyard. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I figured that out. That's pretty freaking cool. Um, and then, uh, let's see, there was something else I figured out while I was down there, um, that I got really excited about. I don't remember what it is. Um, I'll probably like end up listening or thinking about it later on. But, um, so anyways, that was the, I got excited about the moving kind of moving forward, figuring out a couple more uh, things for the axle build. Um, I had a lot of fun doing the recovery. Stuff, so we did that episode with a uh, Clint Conliff. Yes, about the uh, getting volunteers for recovery at backdoor, and then uh, very last minute, uh, the race course changed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and extremely back, last minute, extremely last minute, the race course changed, and they decided to make backdoor completely optional.
1: Yep, for all for
0: classes, everybody. So now, with backdoor being completely optional for everybody. Um, it put the re, the volunteer and recovery teams into a little bit of a predicament because if it's, if somebody ends up coming down back door, we need to have somebody there, but how likely is it really that people are going to come down and use back door? Sure. <laughs> Especially on a side by side day, That's, right? So, uh, we ended up a uh, shuffling around the, the, our recovery crew for Thursday for side by side day, um literally the night before the race is when, kind of when we figured all of this out. And so uh we had to completely shuffle and there was a couple of trails that they didn't have volunteers for recovery on. And so we needed to uh cover those trails, which then thinned out our crew pretty big. Um, and so uh we sent uh two rigs and three people over to back door for the side by side day. Okay. And then we sent uh, three rigs and five people to chocolate thunder um, because that one was chocolate thunder is a really interesting obstacle to do recovery on because there's no good spots to put any vehicles, right? You kind of have to set up just a bunch of different winch points and then use uh, shackles, uh, not shackles, um, uh, snatch blocks in order to winch people around the hill and you just kind of do angled pulls, and you kind of have to, you know, throw in two to three snatch box in order to get the line set up to, for, to get, to get the angled pull that you need. Um, and so after kind of looking at everything, I was like, man, chocolate thunder looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. like I would have loved to have been at chocolate thunder for recovery. Um, and I figured the guys at back door, we had to have somebody there, but I didn't think any UTVs were going to come down, down back door and no UTVs came down nope, back door. So did. we had a uh, three completely wasted volunteers and two capable rigs, um, wasted there at back door for the day. Um, and then, uh, we had, uh, no coverage at, uh, well then, and then we were also supposed to be covering Turkey claw but then they told us that they had somebody for Turkey Claw and we weren't supposed to be covering Turkey Claw and we were like, and Clint was like, no, I'm I'm pretty sure you guys told me you needed Turkey Claw covered. So I told you that I would put a crew together and, and then that night they were like, oh no, we have a crew for Turkey Claw and he's like, you're going to tell me this. <laughs> like, when are you going to let me know about this? Yeah. Um, it's a good thing. We sat down and talked with them because otherwise Clint and uh, two or three other people would have shown up over at Turkey Claw and, we wouldn't have had people in other places at all. So uh, um, we also needed to cover aftershock and Hell to Pay. Oh wow! And uh, Hell to Pay is a gnarly trail. It is it is gnarly, and okay. we were looking at the race course maps, and it said that Hell to Pay was on lap three, and so we're like, UTV doesn't do a third lap. Neither does neither does EMC on Friday. None of those classes for EMC 48 46 and 4500. None of them do a third lap. And so as we're like kind of trying to figure this out, we're driving out there because we got we got thinned out so much that um, I was going to be doing aftershock by myself. a trail that I've never done before, never seen, never been to. Um, but I had the coordinates of it and I knew where it was on Gaia. Um, and then Clint was going to go over to hell to pay because that was the more difficult trail, um, with, uh, Rick and he, Rick had a really cool flat fender, a little CJ oh, 2 nice. uh, um, which was a really cool rig. Um, and so on the way out there, we're radioing back into race ops and we're like, Hey, just confirming uh, that, uh, the UTVs, the side by sides are doing hell to pay today and they're like, hold on stand by. came back. Yep. Uh, side by sides are doing hell to pay today. And so we're like, um, are you sure about that? The race course map says that it's lap three and side by sides don't do a third lap. So you sure that's not just for 4,400 on Saturday and they said standby and then somebody else came on from race ops and they're like, Hey, uh, recovery team going to hell to pay. Uh, This is a race op so and so. And we're like, okay, hey, how's it going? Yeah, we just had questions about, you know, was is hell to pay really on the course today? And they said, yes, confirmed side by sides are doing hell to pay today. And we're like, okay. so (laughs) as we're going heading out there, um, Rick's rig uh, stopped charging its battery Uh and ended up dying. And wouldn't didn't want to restart. So we got the vehicle jumped. And then after that, we were kind of like, well, we don't know if what's wrong with it. And we don't want Rick's Jeep to go down to hell to pay and deal with the toughest trail if it's not in full working condition. So Rick and his daughter split up. His daughter went with Clint down to hell to pay. And then Clint, uh, I'm sorry, Rick rode with me in the forerunner in Kermit um, up to aftershock. Okay. Okay. And so um, uh, we um, entered the bottom of aftershock and drove up the canyon about three quarters of the way up. And um, I was just kind of like, man, this is kind of getting pretty fairly gnarly, not super gnarly, but like gnarly enough where this is the first time I'm running the trail. I don't think I want to go any further by myself without another rig here um, because I just don't know what's up around that corner, what's around that corner, what's around that rock and yeah. etc cetera. And so we stopped about three quarters of the way up and hiked the rest of the way up to, um, there's a big ass waterfall obstacle in aftershock that is gnarly. It is, it's, yeah, it's, it's a big waterfall. Okay. And by um, waterfall, you mean like a cliff. It's a big, it's essentially, um, a spot in the Canyon where 2030 house size boulders, have congregated and closed up the Canyon right there and you have to find a way through them. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, But luckily there was a bypass. And so we're kind of looking at it and we're like, well, if anybody's going to have issues, it's going to be here coming, trying to come up the waterfall. Hopefully they will all take the bypass, but we're not allowed to tell them which way to go. Okay. We're not allowed to give them input on spotting or anything like that. They have to figure it out themselves. The racers do. Yeah. We're only allowed to jump in if there's a safety issue going on, like a rollover, Got kind it. of thing, or a fire or something like that. Well, then we can jump in. But like if they're just kind of stuck and high centered, we're not allowed to give any any direction. Um, if they need help running their winch lines. Then um, we can set up the winch anchor points, but we're not supposed to be hooking up their winch lines kind of thing. Okay. Um, unless they're kind of struggling and they're working at it um, and they're just having a really hard time and there's a big now a congestion in the trail and we need to keep the race moving as well. So we don't want backups in the canyons because then nobody's racing at that point. Right. Right. So um, and we're like, man, this is going to suck if people miss the bypass and come to the waterfall. (laughs) And so uh, we ended up um, setting up a couple of winch anchor points along the top half of the trail where we thought people were mate might have issues. They might get high centered because they just don't have a lot of ground clearance with golf carts. And so um, and then we got back in the forerunner drove down to the bottom of the canyon and then took a road up and around to the top of the canyon and came in and parked up at the top of the waterfall. Um, so that if, you know, we needed any winching up in that big boulder garden at the waterfall, we could do it using the forerunner. Um, and then hopefully everybody can use the anchor points we set up for the rest of the trail. And that's like a mile and a half long trail. Wow. Okay. Like a lot of the trails at hammers are relatively short trails. And so, um, I, I was like, man, to have somebody in aftershock, just one rig by yourself to cover a mile and a half of trail. Huh. Interesting, okay? Um but it was fun. We had a good day. Um uh we set up anchor points at the correct spots, which was nice. So the the side by sides were all using the anchor points if they needed them. Um otherwise uh m- only two rigs um were tried the waterfall and uh both of them, one of them got up in there and was like really going for it and he ended up getting rolled over and like wedged in between some rocks and wadded up in the waterfall area and i was like oh man and so we ended up setting up a a snatch block off of an angled pole to get him turned over and all this other stuff but like we couldn't reach him with the forerunner and so we all had to do it all with his winch and setting up. I think we had two or three anchor points set up and two or three snatch blocks. Wow. To get him out of his spot and rolled over. And after we got him out and rolled over, they were like, what the hell? Has everybody else made it up this? And I was like, no, everybody else has been taking the bypass. And he goes, there's a bypass. And I was like, I'm not allowed to tell you this, but yes, it's right back there. And he kind of turned around and goes, fuck. <laughs> and then They got turned around and went back to the bypass and got up and out. And then uh, another rig came up and you could see them kind of sitting there looking at the waterfall. And we were down at the the corner down below because that's where the congestion was happening because most of the rigs were just going up, taking the bypass. Okay. And so we saw a rig go up, miss the bypass and go up to the waterfall. And I'm like, okay, let me go up there and see what's going on, see if they're going to do it. And if they are, I'll call you up here because they're going to have issues. And so I go up there and both the driver and co-driver out of the rig, like walking the waterfall. And they're like, they just have this look of disbelief on their face and they're like they I show up and they're like, everybody's winching up this, right? Like nobody's made it up this on their own power, right? And I said, um, everybody's taking the bypass (laughs) and and they go, there's a bypass. Oh my God, thank you. And I was like, I'm not allowed to tell you where it is, but it's back that direction somewhere. (laughs) So they were like, okay, thank you. So they jumped back in and got turned around and went and found the bypass. Um, so those were the only two rigs, um, the whole day, but there was a kid that came through 13 years old driving with his dad as the co-driver. Wow. And uh, at that point when he came through the corner where the congestion was happening, um, there was two rigs broken down, both of them, uh, blue CVs, uh, front driver CVs actually. So they were both working on their rigs and this 13 year old kid comes up and everybody stopped what they were doing and helped the 13 year old kid get through the little corner there and then after the kid made it like everybody was like cheering him and going fuck yeah that is awesome like it was just really cool seeing the support that the racers were giving each other yeah in that situation that scenario that's cool yeah. Um, and then Kevin Jones came through and he was like prancing <laughs> uh, up, the trail? <laughs> up the trail. So he was running up the trail pretty much. Um, and I talked to him afterwards. and I was like, did you do a lot of running that day? He goes, yeah, pretty much every rock trail. And I was like, aren't you tired? He goes, eh, not really. I love it. Like I love this stuff. Like as soon as uh, my my uh, driver asked me at one point um, he and he seemed really timid. He goes like, how do you feel about, you know, getting out and, and walking or running the rock trails. And Kevin was like, dude, tell me whenever you want to get out. I am out that window. <laughs> like, and so Kevin came running up the trail and he's like prancing. He goes Tyler. I was <laughs> like Kevin. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, but yeah, it was fun running into him out there. Um, and it was it was just a really, it was fun out there being out on the trail out and aftershock, um, getting to see all the racers coming through in the side by sides of golf carts. Um, turns out Clint didn't see a car all day long <laughs> and oh, held to no. pay. They never ran hell to pay. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we ended up, um, Clint showed up, up at the top. We told him where we were and he came around to the top of the trail. And after, um, we got direction from race ops that our section of the course was closed and cold. Um, We went from the top of aftershock and drove all the way down aftershock um, to just kind of clear the Canyon and make sure all the cars are out of there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, We recover. We um, thought we were going to have to recover one car because they didn't have any steering, but it turns out they were able to winch and have the co-driver turn the tire by his hands all the way out of the canyon. And so like we ran into them down at the bottom and we we're like, okay, cool. See you guys. And they went off to remote pit too. Um, after we got out of the canyon at the bottom, we had heard that um, race ops was telling all the court marshals in our, our course marshals in our area to stop any cars that come through any race cars that come through and tell them course is cold. If you want to continue, you're more than welcome to, but you're recreating at this point. You're no yeah. longer racing. Sure. And so guess who comes by at sundown as we are just about to jump in our rigs and take off to a remote pit two. I have no idea. None other than Jason Barry. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Jason Barry raced to the, the golf cart race. Yeah. And um, sundown, he's coming up the canyon with all of his lights on and um, and I so I've stood there all on the, of his lights on. Um. I believe yes. All the lights on none of the sounds were going though. Yeah. So he comes running up. And so I was like, Oh God, there's Jason Barry and it's car eight one three. Right. So I'm like the wheeling car and I'm like, all right. So I'm looking at him and I'm standing up on this edge of the canyon and I wave at him and then they just kind of like looked at me. I don't know if they even He said he saw me later on, but I'm like waving at him trying to get their attention to stop them and they just drive right on by and I'm like, What are you? Where are you guys going? Like, are you? Do you know that you're recreating at this point or do you think you're still racing? Like, I don't know what's going on in their head because they were moving pretty quick. So I assume they thought that they were still racing and I'm like, well, I'm hoping a course marshal stopped them below and told them that they're recreating because we're done. (laughs) We're heading back out to remote pit too. So as we're driving up and around remote pit two, uh, Race Ops says, Hey, Aftershock Recovery, there's a car not moving in the area. Can you get them recovered? And so we went and recovered them. And we're like, Okay, cool. That car is recovered. We're heading back to remote pit two. And it's okay, thanks. And just as we're coming around the top entrance to Aftershock, we hear from Race Ops, Hey, Aftershock Recovery, you guys still out near Aftershock? And we're like, Yep, we're literally just passing the top entrance to aftershock and on our way to moped too and they said hey we have a car with a transponder in the middle of aftershock that's moving zero miles per hour um, it's car 813 do you guys mind going and checking in on them and I'm like dang it Jason <laughs> come yeah, on Barry
1: race ops you said that that the uh, course is cold and we told them that they are
0: recreating at this point yeah they are on their own. Yeah. And so uh, we're like, well, we're right here at the entrance. We'll just take a right. And so we went down to the the top of the waterfall and uh, hiked on down and found uh, Jay Barry and his co-driver um, down uh, winching themselves through the congestion corner that I was at earlier. And they had a, oh, when he was going into the canyon as well with all his lights on, he his rear driver tire was completely flat. So uh, I'm like, he's going into aftershock after the race is cool, course is cold with a completely dead tire. I was like, I don't think he's going to have a good time in there. <laughs> right. And so sure enough, we got the call from race ops to go check in on him. So I get down there. He's got a rear tire. Um, that's completely flat and he broke a front driver CV in aftershock as well. So he broke three CVs that day. Yeah, I heard, um, he had a kind of a rough day. Um, but, uh, we found him and apparently the co-driver was like, oh, thank God you guys are here. And so like after we showed up, he kind of checked out. He was just mentally exhausted for the day. (laughs) And so we just kind of got them up um, the bypass hill. Once we got him to the top of the bypass hill and into the rock garden at the top of the waterfall, um, we just strapped him to the back of Clint and uh, pulled him through the whole rock garden. Um, (laughs) But it was a it was fun kind of running into them and, uh, the rest of their pit crew that was down at remote pit two Ended up showing up while we we're working on strapping him out of there. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I got to go down and recover Jay Barry. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Yeah. It was, uh, it was fun to just kind of be like, what are you doing down here, man? Um, so that was a uh, big highlight of mine was just kind of being rescue runner and running recovery and aftershock and, uh, running my rig through aftershock and, you know, not really having any issues whatsoever, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Aftershock actually fixed your bumper. Yeah, it did. Right. (laughs) Straightened my bumper back out.
1: Um, For those that didn't know, I mean, mm -hmm. when uh, Tyler got rear ended, it broke. It literally cracked his bumper Mm -hmm. and bent one of the sides down towards the ground and somewhere on aftershock, it pushed his bumper back up and aligned everything I pretty dang good. Yeah. Uh Um, when there's no marks on the
0: bottom of the bumper, Mm -hmm. like he hit a rock or anything. So I'm curious if it was the tire. That's I'm thinking it was the tire. Um, so I may need to be, uh, clearancing the bumper a little bit more to, for the forties. Um, but yeah, I was impressed with the Patagonia's, um, in aftershock. They hooked up with everything that I threw at them, threw at them. Um, tough edges. I got high centered and kind of like shoved my front diff behind a rock and my rear diff in front of a rock. Oh no. So I was kind of like wedged in at one point and, um, I was able to put it in low, low, low and just crank the wheel. And, uh, I was able to grab onto a little bit of a rock on my driver's side and the tires pulled me up and out of it. So, um, I was impressed with how they hooked up in the rocks. Um, I definitely need to get rear bump stops before I go back down to hammers ever again or Johnson Valley in general. Um, but I did uh, runs up to Fisher because I set up a radio repeater up on top of Fisher, which is really neat because I set it up for our recovery crew, right? Because we were going to be covering multiple trails with the same crew. So I wanted sure. Clint to be able to have comms with everybody in case we needed to shuffle bodies around because there wasn't maybe as much help needed at chocolate thunder as we thought there would need to be. And so I set up the repeater upon Fisher, um, and, uh, thinking that we were just going to need to cover, you know, the lake bed side of the mountain of Fisher, not anything on the backside like aftershock or spooners or outer limits, any of those trails. Um, so I set it up kind of on the Western side of the mountain down from the summit and, uh, I was very impressed that I was able to talk to Backdoor and chocolate thunder all day long from aftershock, um, using the repeater. That's cool. So it's was encouraging to know that, um, uh, the repeater worked and, um, it has pretty damn good coverage, um, from up there. I would like to still see if we can reach from like cougar buttes to outer limits with it. I think it would, but um, it all just depends on how far down in that Canyon you are at Spooners and outer limits. It's a kind of a deep Canyon. So, um, talking with, uh, another guy, Stephen Lutz, uh, he think he found a perfect repeater spot that would blanket Johnson Valley and it's not in Johnson Valley. So, um, we've been talking and nerding out now over radio and covering, uh, Johnson Valley with radio comms. And so I think that we might try that location next year Interesting. and okay. see how it goes. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but the repeater did well. I'm gonna add to it a crossband repeater, um, for the the um just remote setup, so that people don't have to know a PL tone and an offset and a split to access, um, talking through a repeater kind of thing. And then I'm also gonna add a digi for APRS, oh, so nice. that there's an APRS digi to cover the valley as well. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the repeater worked great. Ran it on a 100-watt solar panel, which really puts out maybe 60 to 70 watts um, um, into the AGM battery, and it never went down, never had any issues, and the battery was full when I uh, went to pick it up on Saturday night. Sweet. So um, that all worked great. I'm really happy with how that worked out. I'm really happy with how Kermit worked out the whole week. Um, I'm really happy with the way the recovery stuff worked out. Just, I'm not too happy with wasting a bunch of man hours with it, but you know, Hey, that's what happens. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a good week. I just, I had a lot of fun, but by the end of the week, you're just exhausted. Definitely long days. Everything is just filthy dirty. So you never get really like a reprieve from the dust and inhaling everything. You know, I woke up every morning sounding like Barry Manilow. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, uh, but it was a, it was a really fun week. The weather was gorgeous this time. It was cold, which was nice. It was cold, but it wasn't, we only had one day of wind. Yeah. And then the rest of the days, we didn't really have any precipitation. It didn't rain no. on us. Um, the ground was frozen a couple of the mornings, mm-hmm. but like by the afternoon, it, it was pretty nice. I was in shorts yeah. and t-shirts a couple of the afternoons. I so. am 100% sold on renting a trailer.
1: Dude. Yes. 100%. That- That was a game changer. If I would have had to been in my rooftop tent this weekend, Mm -hmm. it just would have been brutal. Yeah. Like I totally doable. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it wouldn't have been a big issue, but the fact that we had a little heater, Mm -hmm. we had a place that we could go to get out of the wind, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it was well worth it, you know, and to be able to shower.
0: Yes. That was really nice too. Um, the first shower I took I was being lazy and didn't want to wait for the water heater to heat all the way up oh because gosh. it was late at night and I was just like, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. And so I took a barely lukewarm shower the first time. <laughs> yeah. And then um, the second time uh, was a nice hot one. I was like, that was, that was great. Yeah. Fantastic.
1: Yeah, definitely. So. Um, that was well worth it. I also want to do a shout out to wagon tech. Oh yeah. Uh, because um, I had your 60 watt panel mm-hmm. and And you said you needed it back. I I I need
0: it back for the repeater. I never used the 200 watt panel. So, okay. I was thinking we were going to use the 200 watt panel on either the trailer batteries or like, my Jackery during the day while I was in hammertown. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up never using the 200 watt panel. So, okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, uh, I don't have a panel now. Yeah. I don't have a solar panel. I don't know how, cause I was planning on using one of those, but then you, you're like, Hey, I need that back. And I was mm-hmm. like, dang it. Um, I contacted wagon tech and I said, Hey, um, and it was funny cause I was like, Hey, do you have your hundred watt solar panels out? Mm hmm. They're like, no, they're in uh, pre release sales right now. Okay. I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. He's like, but we have some prototypes. If you want to take a prototype out and test it out and mm-hmm. give us feedback on it, I would be more than happy for that. Nice. And I said, sweet. So I actually did. I arranged for Lee to go, run over to the down into the Bay Area to go grab it. Lee brought it down to me, and then I used it. Um, only I only used it a few times because it was so cold yeah. that the fridge stayed at a very low temperature all the time, mm-hmm. and it never really needed to run that often. So yeah. the battery really didn't drain that much. But I did plug it in um, once or twice, I, two times, and charge the batteries up when it was sunny. Mm-hmm. you know and uh yeah and worked and worked great so but massive massive thanks to wagon tech for like out of the doing nowhere, that yeah. being able to arrange the you know a pickup for us and mm-hmm.
0: you know and that was that was really cool Mm-hmm. And a big help, so thanks. Nice, yeah, that's really cool that um, they were able to do that on, especially on such short notice yeah. too. Because I think I told you like a couple of days before leaving, I was like, "Sorry, do you remember need my spelled solar panel?" Yeah, you, it was like Saturday. <laughs> we're yeah. leaving Monday, and yeah. the companies are, or maybe it was Friday. I think yeah. you told me on
1: Friday. You know, after five. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like the company's not even open or it's just right around there, you know? So I was yeah. like, damn it. Like, okay, let's see if I can figure this out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so if you guys need any solar panels or a battery box or, you know, a lithium cube is what they call it, you know, um, or a whole bunch of other things, they do all kinds of things. They um, do a lot of really cool yeah, electronic stuff, cool flashlights. Um, check out wagon tech there. Yeah. I mean, and in this instance, they saved my rear end. So yeah. It was really nice
0: nice. Cool. Yeah. Having good customer service like that is a a really valuable thing. So definitely go check those guys out. Um, I don't know if there's too much more to go over. Um, I don't want to get into too much. Oh, I did want to give some fun statistics about king of the hammers. Yeah. Uh, just because I just, I just think it's amazing every year seeing the field, how many cars get into this and then how many cars don't finish. Like okay. the attrition rate of this freaking race is stupid, <laughs> right? So, um, for four thousand five hundred, which is the modified class, okay, uh, stock modified, um, you had twenty seven cars enter, only nine finished. Wow! So, okay. uh, and uh, a third. About a third. About a third. 40, yeah, 35 to 40%, somewhere around there. Um, and Mr. John Matthews in car 4580 was the winner. Congratulations, John. 4600, which is the stock class. Okay. And that's the class. Um, um, actually, uh, that's the class that Justin Reese races yeah, in. Correct. Um, and so 26 cars entered that one. Okay. Only four finished. Wow. And three of them. Were the Ford Broncos right? Well, and they finished one, two, three, and they finished one, two, three, Um, and so if you don't count those guys, only one car finished out of the 4600 class. Yeah, and it was uh, Martin Lange 4658. Yeah, and uh, a jeep in a jeep.
1: Yeah, and Um, congratulations to all four of you. mm -hmm. I mean, I think the guys driving the Broncos are like big
0: name people, wasn't it? Like, Mm -hmm. is it Shear Cole? Uh, Bailey Cole. Yep. Was yeah. one of them. He came in third, uh, Lovell, level, uh, was second. And then Von Gittin Von and, Gittin. uh, uh, Lauren mm. were first. So, uh, yeah, some big names
1: and then a random person. Yeah. Right. So congratulations to you, Martin. I
0: think that's huge. I think that's, that's cool to see Martin there. Um, cause the big names, they, I'm sure they had a lot of financial backing from Ford. Oh, I'm sure to make those cars happen. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah and the broncos so. no joke i mean it's a good vehicle good it platform is. it's a great platform um but i'm sure those vehicles are not stock no they they're not, were not you know, know um they were highly modified and you're going against the professional drivers yeah right and so martin's i don't know what he's done to his jeep mm-hmm. um I, it looked like a tj uh i, I can't be sure mm-hmm. but and it had beefy axles i mm-hmm. looked him up real quick on instagram and and the only way I found him, I even typed in his name. The only way I found him was hashtag. What was it? Four, six, four, six, 58. 58. Mm-hmm. So that by using a hashtag of his race number was the only way that I found the guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So I mean, the fact that a random person was able to get up there on the pedestal. Well, not really, but uh, stand beside the pedestal (laughs) against some of these big names, big money is uh, kudos to you, man.
0: Yeah. And that's a big uh, uh, sore spot right now. Uh, And a lot of people are kind of discussing and talking about it is, you know, 46 and 4,500 and really 4,800. um, That's the every man challenge, right? It's supposed to be the class that the class is that you know the blue collared worker can work on build a rig and go race it. And you don't need to have multi multi hundred thousand dollar vehicles and a uh, huge money budgets, right? Um, to go and race like the unlimited classes, right? Um, these are supposed to be the Justin Reeses and the Derek Millers and uh, the. Um, you know, those people of and, the world. And the Martin And the Martin Langes of Langes, the world. Yeah. Um, and so for Ford to come in and put together three vehicles that are all running, you know, Ultimate Dana sixties, beefed up arms, the freaking knuckles on the IFS suspension and the lower control arms and upper control arms and everything, they were massive on the the Broncos compared to a stock Bronco, right? Yeah. And so like to see Ford come in and I'm sure they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on each of these Broncos and then win it. I think, yeah, it just goes to show that if you have a massive money program and you're racing against people who don't have the same funding to put together the same, um, quality of vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Of course they're going to win, but should they have been allowed in that class? I think yeah. that's an interesting debate. That is an interesting debate. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I want to see, okay Ford.
1: You did really good in the stock class, <laughs> right? Congratulations. <laughs> how about you move yourself up? Yeah, and let's right? see how you do in the big money game. Yeah,
0: move those move those three Broncos up to the unlimited class and see what happens. Yeah. So, um, anyways, so forty eight hundred the uh, the last class of the EMC day. Um, hundred thirty five cars entered, twenty one finished. Whoa!
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, what is that percentage? Yeah, nine. Um, no, it's about
0: 12, 18%. Is it that I, mm-hmm. okay. yeah, 15 to 15 to 20% somewhere in that range. Um, but, uh, number one was Dan fresh car. Number eight. Nice. Congratulations, um, Dan. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, uh, Chase Caprera, we got to look over his car. Yeah, we it did. was, it was hanging out there in the Yokohama booth right behind me at the, in the more booth. Um, He hit something really big on his front end.
1: Really big, and he hit it really hard. (laughs) Yes, he did. (laughs) His bash bar in front of his front axle was cracked on one of the down pipes. Yep. He bent the whole thing up into his hydraulic ram.
0: Yep, and the kudos to the PSC, you know, double-ended hydraulic ram. It didn't have a mark on it, but it caved in the tubing that was protecting it. Yeah. (laughs) So the
1: the the bash bar got pinched between the ram and the rock and the and the ram mounts were strong enough to protect it. Yeah. Protect the ram. Exactly. Yeah.
0: It was pretty impressive. So I wanted to give a shout out to Caprera on on just looking at that. The front end of that car was pretty impressive. Um, and then uh, of course the big guys, 4400. You've got Raul Gomez finally pulled off a win there. We had one of the Gomez brothers finally pull off a win. Um, There's they have some really interesting stuff going on with the rear end suspension on those UFO cars. They do. And we'll get into that a little bit later because I think it's going to be worth kind of talking about. And I want to know more about that suspension before we talk about it. I agree. So yeah, I was talking to Elvis mm -hmm. who is a a
1: guy that volunteers and drives all over the place and volunteers with everybody. Mm -hmm. And he said that he finally feels that a rig out there on the course is competing with Shannon Campbell's rig. Really, he said that Shannon Campbell's rig was supposedly the best rig, like, been outstanding for so many years. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, the Gomez's rigs are catching up,
0: interesting. So, yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and then, uh, Jason Shear, uh, yeah, uh, came Shear. in number two, um, after his crazy tailbone dude, fall, right? He was leading the pack all day long, all day. And then he had a, a little bit of a blunder where he flopped the rig over. And then as he was getting out, he kind of jumped off the rig and lost his footing when he landed and fell on his tailbone and was rolling around on the desert floor for a little bit in agony <laughs> in pain. So I don't know if he cracked a tailbone, what happened to there, what's going on. But, um, at that point, that's when Raul passed him. And then, uh, Uh, Shear just never regained the lead after the rest of the day, Um, but if he cracked his tailbone and finished that race out the most painful day you've ever had in your life, probably. (laughs) Oh man. Um, And then uh, third place was uh, previous King Blyler from 2020 Josh Blyler. So uh, uh, Raul finished in six hours and 57 minutes, seven hours was the number one spot the king, the winner. So seven hour complete train wreck that you have to go through. And then Shear was 20 minutes behind him and Blyler was 20 minutes behind Shear. And then uh, um, some of the people that we've gotten to interview, you know, D mill, he got a DNF. Yeah. He lost a front ring and pinion on O five super duty front axle. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so that's a, a 10 10 inch nine and three quarter 10 inch ring gear um, in a high pinion and he chewed at least three to four teeth off of it because there was a gap in the ring gear where the the drive train and everything was spinning but the the tires wouldn't spin at all dang
1: <laughs> yeah and uh, for what it's worth uh, we lost the bet. We did lose a bet with he, him. Yep, yeah. He, his rig was a few hundred pounds lighter. It was. Yeah. So, uh, I've hence paid my debt. I gave him a t-shirt. Nice. Um, look at you. What I a think, stand-up guy. Yeah. I was, that was the last one I had of that size too. <laughs> um, so I was lucky I had it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I think you still need to lose more weight.
0: I think so too. <laughs> I think, I think that goes to <laughs> show he's, he's still a pretty front, freaking heavy ring opinion. Yeah. Too on a high pinion 05 super duty housing that's crazy um so justin reese had a dnf yeah i don't know exactly what happened to his car but um we'll need to catch up with him and see kind of get a, a recap of his race and how that went with the toyota pickup uh, 4619 we were talking to one of his guys
1: right around the yokohama car and he was telling us sort of what happened but oh his front drive shaft was separating
0: Oh, and it wouldn't stay together. That's right. And so
1: he would go over obstacles or something and things would, it would come apart. Yeah. So not quite sure um, why, Mm -hmm. because they said that they didn't change anything in regards to that and didn't have this problem last year. Yeah. So um, I don't know why it was happening, uh, but we'll have to follow up and see what's going on.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Um, Eric wicks.
1: Yeah, eleventh right? finished
0: eleventh in the unlimited class. Eight hours and fifty six yeah. minutes. Nine hours, buddy. So, congratulations to Eric and Kevin. And I just learned Kevin Simpson, his co driver, is one of my moderators on NorCal Four by Four. Yeah, I didn't realize that Kevin was co driving. Oh, that's funny. And so, yeah, it was kind of like I saw the name and I was like. Kevin Simpson. So I reached out to Kevin. I was like, Kevin, were you co-driving with Eric wicks? He goes, yeah, I was like, that's bitch. That's awesome. That's cool. How did Justin and Chris do? Do you know? So Justin and Chris, this was a fun story because, uh, Justin and Chris wicks, uh, father, son, duo, um, son, father duo, um, they ended up qualifying right behind Eric wicks. Yes. So they ended up taking off on the line together. So, um, Uncle and nephew, Eric and Justin, right? Right. Taking off on the line. So there were a bunch of bets going on about who was going to get faster off the line and out of the short course. Okay. And I never found out who made it out of short course first. Yeah, but I heard that they were battling back and forth for a good five to ten miles. Nice. <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was cool. Um, so when we interviewed Justin and Chris Wicks in the Bora car, Uh, They had alternator issues at the last one of their last races. Correct. And uh, they had bought and built a new alternator and then had another backup alternator uh, built as well. And just in case they had any issues again, they ultimately had more alternator issues. Bummer. Yeah. So at one point they looked down and the battery was at like nine and a half volts in going into the rocks. Oh, man. And or or after lap one or some point during lap one. And so they uh, took a stop at one of the pits, swapped out the alternator and kept going. And by the time they entered lap three, I believe they were in seventh place. Oh, wow. Yeah. So by the time they were getting into the rocks, they were in seventh place, Justin Mm -hmm. driving. Um, And so but also by the time they were getting into the rocks, they had broken a hard line power steering line, um, which they were able to get repaired and kind of sealed up, um, but their alternator their their new replacement one they just put in was dead again and their batteries were reading at nine and a half volts bummer. And so they just called it instead of going into the rocks with no battery, which means then you don't have a winch. Yeah. Yeah. um, They just called it and um, ultimately the alternator and battery issues that had been plaguing them took them out again dang it. So um, bummer for those guys, but super encouraging to hear that they were going into that lap that third lap in seventh place. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Pretty freaking phenomenal for Justin and his dad um, and their whole pit crew and everybody there. Yeah, so he's 19 19 years old kid can fucking drive. Yes, he can dude. Um, so he did say I got to talk to him a little bit afterwards and he oh, said good. that the shock package was way light years better than what they had before on Sweet. the car. So he's actually able to make use of going faster now, but he said that there's still definitely some more tuning they can do to to keep it planted and get it working better in the desert sections. Awesome. He said he was really disappointed that they didn't get to go through the rocks because they've got they got a bomber. They have a bomber car. That's what those cars are built for. And so for him to have to for him to get to the rocks in seventh place. And then have to drop out of the race was really, uh, I think it tore him up quite a bit. Cause that's, yeah. that's where they would have excelled at. Right. So the um, question
1: is how far were they behind six at that point? And yeah. It would have really caught them up that much.
0: Yeah. Good question. Um, so anyways, I didn't look up the stats. Oh, uh, there was 101 cars in the 4,400 class, only 26 finished. Dang. So, um, 20%. Yeah. 20%. So, um, I didn't look up 4,900, the UTVs or the EVs. Um, well, there was only one EV and it did not finish. Yeah, correct. Kyle did not finish this year. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't remember why either. Um, I really hope it wasn't that solid front axle he just put in there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, we're going to dive into a little bit more of the EV stuff in the future because, uh, the EV, uh, I guess, uh, uh class, um, just got a big boost. They just, uh, announced and handed out all of the crate packages for the ev class i think they did 10 or 11 of them yeah right around there um uh, at this year's koh so next year there should be at least 10 to 11 ev cars in the ev class which will be exciting to see kind of what each team does with all of that and how they run it and manage the uh the battery side of stuff yeah definitely so, um, yeah, uh, that's all I got. Uh, those were some of the figures and the stats of the, of how everything played out. And I just, I think it's always just mind blowing to me, the attrition rate of this race and why it always goes back to why ultra four is kind of so special because all the t- racers are still working together to beat the course. They're not beating or trying to beat each other yet. And, um, I think until that day comes where we can start getting, you know, 80% of everybody who enters to finish, um, until that day comes, I think it's going to maintain, um, racers helping each other and having a good time. So,
1: yeah, I, I definitely agree. And you know, the fact that there are racers helping each other still, Mm -hmm. you know, and somebody, you know, people breaking down, but not calling themselves out of the race, Yeah. You know, and running up the hill and helping people Mm -hmm. um, is just, that's the best part about this, uh, this
0: sport. Yeah, I agree. So um, yeah, that kind of caps up and finishes up our month of King of the Hammers month in a little bit here of KOH. Um, I know that it was a lot of KOH content and I apologize if it was too much for your listening pleasure. Um, But this is definitely kind of one of the times of the year that, that we really enjoy and there's a lot of really cool stories around it all. So we really wanted to share that with everybody and share some of the experiences of what goes on um, with everybody. If maybe you can't make it out there and you're like, what is this all about? So um, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. That's all I got. Do You got anything else for everybody?
1: No, I, uh, it was a fun trip. Um, if you have never been to King of the Hammers, I highly suggest checking it out. Mm hmm. I've heard rumors of a hundred thousand people out there this year. That was I heard rumors of that estimate as well. <laughs> I can't. I don't really believe it. Yeah, it's sort of hard. It's un. It's impossible to tell. Yeah, it like because mm-hmm. you know people won't. They can only count the people that paid for camping. I think. Yeah, for the most part. So, mm-hmm.
0: but yeah, I, I uh, will say crazy. from from being on top of Fisher, looking down at the lake bed and all the camping going on, it was definitely more full than it was in 2020 when i was up on fisher looking down on the lake bed and that year it was they said 50 to 60 grand um but i don't know if it was a hundred thousand it wasn't i don't feel like it was double yeah full from what it was in 2020 so i don't know yeah Yeah. i mean it was definitely a good time Mm -hmm.
1: um and like i said you know if you've never experienced it i highly suggest coming out yeah it's just It's unworldly. It's different. It's nothing (laughs) like anything else out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to go out and experience it at least once in your life, I think it's definitely worth it.
0: Yeah. I did kind of come to the conclusion that I don't like deserts. I don't like super, super dry, dusty climates. Um, but I love hanging out with the people down there. So, um, I'll continue going, (sighs) I just wish we could like have that type of event up in the Sierras somewhere. That would be awesome. Yeah,
1: I don't, that would be crazy, right.
0: Yeah. right? Well, cool. If people, if you guys want to call in and let us know if we fucked anything up, uh, that phone number is nine one six three four five four seven four four. If you're sick of listening to KOH stuff and you want to hear new content, um, you can call in to 408-800-5169 and uh, let us know all of your complaints there. Um, We will definitely make sure that we take them to heart and uh, and do something about it. You just have to call that number to make sure that we do. Um, If you want to get a hold of us over on the Grams, you can do that at four by four Toyota Tyler and Snail Trail four x four, and then of course emails is Tyler or Jimmy at snailtrail four x four dot com. You got anything else? Anything I missed? Any bat signals out there that we can get to people? Or I may or may not have found Lorenzo. <laughs> is that your final words? Do you want a final words? I may or may not have found (laughs) Lorenzo. (laughs) And with that, my friends, keep crawling. I am ready. I actually don't think I've heard a joke from you in like a week and a half. Yeah, I think. I don't know. Uh, there was one at the
1: end of one of the episodes, wasn't there? Mm, Last week? I don't maybe. remember. I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, so moving on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is red, orange, and full of disappointment?
0: Red, orange, and full of disappointment. I don't know. High school pizza. High school pizza? Yep. I don't get it. It's red and orange and full of disappointment. Your pizzas were orange? (laughs) (laughs) Pepperoni or cheese or something on there. I don't know.
1: High school pizza is always disappointing. I think your joke is the answer. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Ouch.